0: Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted. This is episode 839 of Anglican Unscripted. I'm Kevin Coulson.
1: And I'm Jeff Walton. It's January 22nd, 2024.
0: All right, welcome to another episode of angry Unscripted. Conscripted. For those of you who are new to the show, and there are many of you, and I, 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 I sometimes don't provide enough context to everything, this is Jeff Walton, and we have Jeff on because he works with the IRD, which is, an, oh, for many things, it, it gathers information that's important to people like me, and uh, he... Publishes quite frequently uh, once a year the, the statistics for the Episcopal Church or the Methodist Church, and we talk about those once a year. We go over kind of uh, watching a, a train cla- crash in slow motion as the uh, Episcopal Church is self imploding, and Jeff and I go over those numbers. I'm having Jeff on this week because he attended the uh, Mere Anglicanism in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, this week, and I thought we could uh, talk about it. Obviously, you're waiting to hear the real interesting, interesting, intriguing news, but we're going to uh, go up to a wider context and talk about the uh, whole conference itself before we get to that. Uh, first of all, Jeff, welcome to the program. How you doing?
1: Thanks, Kevin. I'm really glad to be here. I'm uh, enjoying a lovely day in the uh, low 60s in Charleston, South Carolina, uh-huh. Uh, I've got family here. So I'm enjoying visiting for the conference and stayed a few extra mm-hmm. days. So it's, uh, oh, it's a nice change of pace from uh, dour, ice cold, uh, DC, where I believe it was uh, 15 degrees this morning.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here we're 70 down in, in Florida. Uh, I know the rest of the nation is still suffering in the cold, but I hear things are going to get better with a uh, a warm weather front coming through, but people didn't tune into Anglican Scripted for the weather. They want to know what's going on in the world. So uh, let me give, provide context. Mere Anglicanism is a conference that's uh, held annually in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And younger Kevin uh, of Anglican TV days from probably t- 2010 to 2000. 15, 16, 17, went there uh, annually to record it and broadcast it uh, live over Anglican TV. And it became one of my favorite conferences to go to. Uh, The the who's who was there, uh, the people who wanted to hear uh, great teaching and uh, good academia were there. Trinity uh, would send down some students for the seminary. And uh, there's a dog fight going on where you are. (laughs) Uh, Yes, there is. Sorry, I picked the back porch at the exact wrong time. That's right. No, no, no. We're good. (laughs) Fortunately, we're on the second uh,
1: story, so the dogs can't get to us.
0: Let them sort out
1: their disputes.
0: Yes, so long long story short, mere Anglicanism is by far one of the greatest events I would uh, attend annually uh, in, in all my travels and I bet you share the same uh, experience.
1: Yeah. um, So I first had the opportunity to attend mere Anglicanism in 2016. Um, I go to a lot of Anglican conferences, as do you and each Mm -hmm. have something unique in their own way that makes them worthwhile. mere Anglicanism is my favorite conference, period. It is that good. Um, It often brings theologically rich material to lay people like me who are really craving it. And we get top notch speakers who are really well written and are thoughtful in their, their fields of expertise. Uh, I still remember um, the, the 2016 conference I attended, uh, which was entitled uh, The Cross and the Crescent engaging the challenge of yeah. Islam. Uh, that was not a light topic and uh it was exceptionally well done um for a a couple different reasons um the conference went on hiatus um for a few years uh and that was perpetuated because of covid tide uh but it resumed uh last year and i was one of the first people in line and uh really thrilled to be back and i was so grateful for the opportunity to again attend this year Um, this conference sells out every year it fills the Charleston Music Hall, and uh, it is an extraordinary combination of teaching and rich worship. Um, the the choral music at Saint Philip's Church was oh, uh, uh, it, it just took me to another level. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, just incredible. Um, and uh, the the people who are who bring this together. Just do an extraordinary job so that gives context to what this is this is not some fly-by-night operation it is um really something that draws people from pretty far around to pay a not insignificant registration fee but it is really worth it
0: mm-hmm. so uh what have tell me about this the context of uh this year's conference who were the speakers and what was the topic
1: yeah so uh it was called speaking the truth and love the church and the challenge of the new morality okay. and this is looking at some of the issues There are about eight different speakers and the the concepts that are sort of explored are looking at um how do we speak to one another uh in truth but to do so in a way that is loving and um that often isn't easy for people to do. Some of us are good at being loving, but we maybe lack the courage of convictions and are conflict averse. Yeah. Um, other people rush to conflict and are very good at engaging in um, sharp dispute. But at the same time, sometimes uh, that it can be a challenge for them, to, the, the love of that to be heard by the other person. So that's something that they're mindful of. Um, this year, we had um, uh, just rattle off some names really quick. Um, Sam Albury, uh, D. A. Carson, um, John Dixon from Wheaton, um, Rebecca McLaughlin, um, Amy Orr Ewing, who has been a previous speaker at Mere Anglicanism, uh, Vaughn Roberts, uh, who's at um, he's at uh, St. Ebbs Church in Oxford. And by the way, I apologize if I mispronounce some things. Um, some of these things I've, I've only read and um uh calvin robinson who many of you are familiar with through his um substantial uh online presence and work in the united kingdom and uh carl truman the professor from grove city uh who is um actually did not one but two anglican conferences this last weekend he spoke at mere anglicanism and then flew to washington dc where he spoke at the anglican for life summit at my home parish the Falls church anglican uh so kudos to him for uh not getting not just one conference but two in the same weekend
0: well yeah that's that's one of the troubles is they overlap sometimes and, uh, and this is one of the years that they overlapped um, let's uh, talk then uh, about your favorite uh, who is your favorite speaker
1: Von Roberts um, he uh, spoke at the um, there, there's a a service of Holy Eucharist on Friday night at St. Philip's, where they they pull out all the bells and whistles, and yes, you know you, you have do. a bagpipe of a processional to the yeah. Highland Cathedral, and um, you know they bring out the three hundred year old silver that uh, was used um, when uh, I can't remember who was the Bishop of London or the Archbishop of Canterbury came to celebrate the uh, the three hundredth anniversary of Charleston. Um, mm-hmm. So they have these really weighty substantive um you know uh, 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 communion um uh pieces and uh it, it's just a it, it's just a really fun high place and it it really um it, it's it's a special spot i will say this i have some friends who uh like to snark that acna is uh strip malls and overhead projectors and while that is is a part of our broader provincial church life um, sure. apparently they've never been to st Phillips <laughs> no they're not
0: so, <laughs> I, so, I'm not uh, gonna uh, it, it's not high church uh well, in, I, in in like Anglo-catholic style it's it's high church in acna style it's amazing to go to that worship service and the church yeah, yeah, it, the it last is, time I was I was there last year and they had somebody I was just there for a regular Eucharist service and somebody had an uh, an opera trained voice who was singing in the choir and it was just
1: amazing to hear. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to gush too much, but needless to say it, it is a very refreshing thing and mm-hmm. it, it helps you, uh, to, to, to come closer to, to feel like you're, you're a step closer to worshiping God and spirit and truth. Um, and you know, obviously that, that can take place anywhere. Uh, even in our little strip mall storefront with an overhead projector. Um, yeah. but, but sometimes you get a little foretaste of heaven and I'm, I'm grateful for the people of St. Philip's church with, with sharing what they have with, with the rest of us. Um, it, it was really life-giving and, um, Von Roberts was a part of that because he provided the, um, the sermon. And um, he had three points for us that I'll just quickly go over. Um, he said there's a challenge to don't withdraw. Um, and he was talking in the context of uh, Daniel and the Babylonian exile and how um, the, uh, the young men who were brought from Judea uh, learned the Chaldean language, the education, um, and they were not withdrawn from the culture. But as, as many of you are, Viewers have heard they, you know, engaged for the the, the prosperity of the city yeah. where they were placed. Uh, but at the same time, his second point was don't compromise. Um, Daniel didn't defile himself with the king's food. Um, the uh, there, there are sort of some difficulties on, on one side where um, too many people withdraw and on the other side, uh, too few, uh, m- maybe withdraw. And, you, and um, th- there is a sort of line of prudential judgment. And um, Daniel knew where to hold the line and where were things that were secondary. Um, so, uh, but he also was somebody who wasn't afraid. And that was what Robert said for the third point, don't be afraid. Um, he said, God gave Daniel favor and compassion Um, especially among people like the chief eunuchs who ran the household. And um, just as God kept Daniel in that moment, where Daniel had real reasons to fear, uh, but God kept him and um, God will also keep his church. So I I thought that those were just simple things. Obviously, as a Protestant, I like those three-point outlines uh but it was something that that will stick with me don't withdraw don't compromise and don't be afraid and um in a culture which has a new morality and in which um we are challenged by that uh, there are some comparisons to the context of babylon and the people of judea held in exile there that we can learn from so i was really grateful for that talk um that one uh, will become available on video i don't know if it's out yet uh, but that's one that I uh, really recommend uh, when it becomes available. Maybe we can get it in the show notes and people can put it in yeah, podcast it. form.
0: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so Kevin didn't just invite Jeff Walton on Anglican Unscripted mm-hmm. to talk about stats mm-hmm. or talk about mm-hmm. mere anclinism. Uh There was a, a conflict uh, that happened during the conference mm-hmm. that we need to talk about because uh, at one point over the weekend, my Twitter exploded. I guess you can call it X now, but uh, <laughs> and my, 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 my Facebook exploded. And then I got a ton of Facebook messages. And I have emails that said, did you hear that Calvin Robinson, one of the speakers at Mirror Anglicanism this year, was disinvited after his uh, speech talk? And I said, no, I, I didn't know. And I said, that's, that's odd, because I've been to Anglican conferences around the world, and listen to Orthodox, listen to Roman Catholic, listen to Lutherans, uh, preach and teach alongside the Anglicans, and never had anybody disinvited. Uh, uh, I even heard, uh, I'm not going to get into some of the controversial stuff outside of Miraculousism. But so I was a little surprised that he was disinvited, and I'm like, well, what would he have to do to be disinvited? And I knew you were there. And i said i'm going to ask jeff to come on the program and give us what you know uh first of all uh, tell me the topic of his speech
1: yeah um the uh the specific thing that uh, each of the speakers was charged with a a topic that they would navigate uh and this is a um uh, i'm sorry i uh didn't have the right page open um the, the the topics basically involve focusing around this challenge of the new morality. So Robinson uh, was set to give an address on critical theories. Mm -hmm. And this is something that he is well versed in. Um, Some of uh, your viewers are already familiar with his now uh, famous uh, address for the Oxford Union, in which um, he was in front of a a not particularly friendly audience. And spoke, yeah, and spoke with real courage, conviction, and articulated key points that we would want articulated. And that really was one thing that helped put him on the map. And ever since he has built a pretty significant following through social media, um, I was really delighted to meet Calvin in person at GAFCON in Rwanda this past April. And I can report to you, he is just a really neat guy. Um, Oh yes, we did did an interview
0: with him on Unscripted. And, uh, he's a delightful personality. Uh, and I mean, other than a couple, you know, of his convictions, uh, I, I think he, I'm a big fan, I'll I'll say it right now. I'm a fan of Calvin, Calvin Robinson.
1: Yeah. This is a guy who, I mean, I'm not anybody special in particular. And, uh, I got to sit down with him and some, um, uh, friendly Anglo-Catholic clergy folks at GAFCON and just talked for probably about 40 minutes. And that was just really very kind of him and the other men. Um, That's not something I often get in Washington, DC. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. And he's been 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 kind to me ever since. And I'm glad that we got to connect at this conference. Uh, Just give that as as context. Um, So one of the things that Calvin sought to navigate, and by the way, I'll tell you this, uh, he has gone ahead and published on his Substack, uh, which people can access the text of his address. Uh, So that is available. And then as I've said before, at some point, the the conference will make available all the conference speakers presentations Mm -hmm. in video form, uh, although I don't have a a date for when that will occur. Um, But one of the things he was talking about is what is critical theory and what are its root causes. And he didn't waste a lot of time, he he basically said that feminism is the brute force that breaks down the wall so that all these other critical uh, theory ideologies can come through the door. And um, that uh, has to do with stuff about... um, Feminism has to do with uh, smashing the patriarchy, destroying heteronormativity, and uh, that a lot of that has ushered in uh, something that you and I have heard a term for cultural Marxism. Oh, sure. So uh, this is something he talked about. Now, I'm going to do a quick aside really quick. Uh, from my own end, I think we had to be careful with our use of the term Marxism. Because just as people on the left who I disagree with, often go and say everyone I don't agree with on the internet is Hitler. Uh, those of us who are on the more conservative side of the spectrum can fall into that trap and say, everything I don't agree with on the internet is Marx. So we have to be careful with that. Uh, But that is not what Calvin was doing here. He was trying to explain what Marx had done, his qualms with God himself, and that there was a, a pathway that was spearheaded in his viewpoint by feminism, that was then allowing these other critical theories to come in. And that's sort of what we've been been dealing with in our society ever since. Um, It was, however, uh, very controversial as well, because um, as everyone here knows, because they chose to click on this video, um, issues of holy orders are extremely controversial in uh, our our part of the church universal. And um, this is something that uh, Calvin has strength of his convictions. And he is willing to say flatly what he believes without dancing around it with the the nuance forever that I'm known for. Um, so, uh, he said that liberalism is idolatry of the self and that it is disguised as freedom. And that, this is a quote from him, liberalism is sin. Um, that was a really tough one for me to hear, um, while Calvin did not use the term classical liberal, Um, what he was describing would have fit the description of classical liberalism, not simply neoliberalism. Uh, I consider myself a classical liberal. Uh, I believe in concepts like consent of the governed, ordered liberty, things that are rooted in the Enlightenment and in figures like John Locke and um, some some other figures that built on that and of course were uh, influential in our thinking of our own founders here in the United States. Yeah, it's good. Kind of, um
0: you know.
1: yeah. uh, this is something that um, he was he was he was very insistent upon this though. And I where we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to probably sit down with Calvin and, and flesh out more. Okay, what's the distinction here between classical liberalism and neoliberalism? And where do you think things went off the rail? The reason I think that he's speaking in the context of classical liberalism, even though he didn't use the word classical, is because he brought a lot of this back to Martin Luther and talked about what happened in the Reformation and the basically some of, again, some of these walls that Luther broke down. And uh, you'll be able to see this in in the substack if, if you choose to go, which we can put in the show notes. But um, basically... The gist of it is is that Luther kind of opened a door, and that Marx then seized upon that in his response to hegel the uh, uh the German philosopher, and then uh basically shunted this stuff through um sort of you're know, divorcing the Western culture and um from from its its sort of life giving roots um in, in in classicism and in uh early Christian teaching so um i'm a big fan of martin luther that does not mean that luther is above criticism Uh, no there were some pretty significant problems uh let's acknowledge the fact that luther died an anti-semite so uh yeah that's a problem um but uh that, that there are some pretty amazing things that are made possible including the fact that we were able to do our church service on friday night in English. And um, that is, you know, one of Luther's one of the people that contributed to and made worship in the vernacular possible. Um, I I also have really personally benefited from Lutheran teaching hymns. Uh, my own my own parents spent time in the Missouri Synod, and uh, we had some pretty good discussions with them about um, Luther's Small Catechism and the Book of Concord. Uh, th- so I I really want to be careful because there's a, there's a real danger here of saying that there's a direct line between Martin Luther and drag queen story hour. And that once you got on board with the reformation, you're, you're at drag queen story hour. And I don't think that that's true. Um, no. people are more complicated yeah. with that. Um, but there is a, uh, Luther, I think really matters and, uh, this is something that Jeff Miller, who is the conference convener and the rector of St. Philip's, addressed immediately following Calvin's talk. He would get up after a speaker, give a brief announcement, maybe a thought, and in this case, he he executed one of the most deft, uh, just incredible uh, wrappings of the bow that I've ever seen. When he, 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 could, he knew, obviously, that uh, some people were, were very off-putted by some of the, um, the, the substantial nature and the, 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 uh, the, 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 the statements that were very clear-cut that uh, Robinson made. And he said uh, to everybody, well, you know, I want to a, share a story about when my wife and I went to uh, Germany. And uh, it turned out we had an ancestor who was a direct, were a direct descendant of uh, Martin Luther and um, talked about going and and seeing the table where Luther wrote his famous table talks. And, um, you know, one of the things he he shared was about how when Luther got up to speak at the um, the Diet of Worms, that uh, he had this appeal to to conviction and conscience. And what uh, Miller shared with each of us in the audience was even though we may be in significant disagreement with um, Robinson on some of these issues. That we can see and acknowledge that he was speaking conviction according to his conscience. And I think people responded well to that, even though they didn't necessarily uh, all agree with the elements of Robinson's talk. Um, you know, different speakers had different responses, uh, all pretty positive. Um, the conclusion of Robinson's talk was mostly polite applause. Uh, a few people stood up and, uh, and aggressively applauded in full affirmation of what they heard. And I also heard loud, audible booing from parts of the music hall. So oh. there were different people who had uh, different responses to this. And I think Miller was, was really trying to meet the, the audience where they're at and, of course, assure them that there was space for this and that there would be different uh voices heard uh across the subsequent sessions that w- would not all be in agreement um, okay so, so that was, that was he, yeah. there was an
0: indication then after his talk that okay there's space for this mm-hmm. there's um your is about teaching classical Anglicanism mm-hmm. and about seeking the truth yeah. and so here it is hmm.
1: yeah and this is a it's a the other thing he said too that really i thought captured it well as he said when iron sharpens iron, sparks are going to fly. And that's something that I really need to hear. Uh, As I've shared with you before, I'm a conflict-averse person, uh, an interpersonal conflict, which may be the most hilarious irony ever because I work at the Institute on Religion and Democracy. But um, uh, yeah, I I struggle with people being angry with me and being upset. And uh, some of my friends don't struggle with that. They are okay with getting into the fight. And they make those sparks fly and i think i think calvin is one of those people who who is okay with making the sparks fly uh as part of that you know iron sharpening iron so uh that that's a that's a big thing but there's a there's a context here though too that has to do with the course holy orders as i mentioned already and most of the internet blow up that you described didn't have to do with Martin Luther. It didn't have to do with classical liberalism. It had to do with holy orders. And uh, there are many people in that room who have very different viewpoints on what the priesthood is, let alone who is qualified to be a priest. Um, so uh, the next, well, first of all, the rest of the day went really well, I thought. Uh, Jeff Miller had done such a good job at tying that bow that um, everybody seemed to be okay and stuff was fine. Um, And we had the wonderful worship service that night. Uh, And then the next morning I got there and and one of my fellow attendees said, oh, did you see what happened? You know, uh," I said, no, what? And he said, "Oh, Calvin Robinson was disinvited from the conference. And i was like, really? He seemed to be pretty good (gasps) (laughs) spirits last night. I was like, I I talked to him last night. Everything seemed to be good. Um, But, um, and of course, many others did as well. And uh, uh, Calvin uh, had announced that he had been summoned in and had, had been asked uh, not to participate in the panel discussion at the conclusion of the conference. Uh, there were eight different speakers. Uh, five of them were gonna take part in the panel discussion uh, and he was going to originally be one of those five. Um, so there at the end of the conference, there was the panel discussion. Um, he was there And I had the opportunity to speak with him afterwards, as did many others. But um, uh, there was an empty chair, and that was not addressed from the the stage. So um, what we have at this point is an account from Calvin, which um, has been published on a substack, uh, explaining uh, what happened and uh, his viewpoint on it. and then we have accounts of people like me who were there at the conference, but seeing things from you know the chairs out front, not from the behind the scenes. We have not heard yet from the conference organizers about this and they did not address it from the stage, which kind of, I understand because uh, this did not play out on the stage. So it wasn't necessarily mess- incumbent upon them to address it on the stage. Um, I have been to other conferences where there have been uh, some pretty c- tumultuous things that have happened. Uh, I'll mm. rattle off for them really quickly. Uh, there was one at GAFCON uh, in which, um, uh, well, you might remember the whole Tito Deval- Zavala thing, uh, oh, I do. where I the, yeah, uh, so there's yeah. that. Uh, there and there was a lot of concern about the way that was presented, and, and uh, I, I know that was that was controversial. Um, and uh, even at New Wineskins, which is uh, another favorite conference, um, they had a speaker last time who uh, basically said that <laughs> the theological <laughs> education hinders uh, missionary activity uh, that was not entirely well received.' We look back at that now and we kind of laugh and we're like, oh, that was kind of a disaster, but you know everybody got over it and it wasn't like the end of the world. So it, the reality is sometimes you just have to trust your audience and know that they can take these things in and navigate. And we've all been there before. And we might be looking back at this three years and be like, oh, remember that Calvin Robinson hubbub? So I want to just place it in that context uh, and say, you, you, we're not the first. And remember, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry.
0: Okay. At New Wineskin, you and I and many others talked about the main speaker Uh, for the first night, who, at best, I say, conflated his numbers. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) For those of you who don't know, he uh, claimed
1: that he was responsible for converting an entire country in sub-Saharan Africa from Islam (laughs) to Christianity, which um, we were all looking at like, what is this country? Um, There was some braggadocio there that was um, uh, uh, very cartoonish.
0: Cartoonish, but it, it caused a seminary to send a letter to new ones uh, to, you know, clear it all up. But, and so this is the first time there's been people who, you know, okay, so we've covered it, you know, ACNA or the ACNA, uh, the Episcopal Church, every church has run into having a speaker where they're like, oh boy. And here's that old boy moment. Now, uh, I don't see, I don't get to the point where you're disinviting them though, or you don't want to have them at, at the panel Uh, Conversation at the end, because uh, as the College of Bishops themselves said, this is still an open issue. We, they have, they've come to a decision that this they can't make a decision, is what on women's orders, and uh, you know I'll read you one line from their uh, uh, statement they put out a couple years ago. I think it was 2017. Um, We are. We have not effectively disciplined... Let's go down here. Fulfilled. What do I want to read out here? Okay. However, we acknowledge that this practice is... And talk about women's orders. is a recent innovation to the... uh, uh, traditions and Catholic order, we agree that there is insufficient scriptural warrant to accept women's ordination to the priesthood as a standard practice throughout the province. However, we continue to acknowledge that individual dioceses have constitutional authority to ordain women to the priesthood. There is a conflict within the ACNA still. And is Calvin Robinson exposing that conflict, or did he overstep that balance by uh, not having uh, disregard for the, the audience?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I've been told that, um, as part of the preparation for this conference, that uh, guidance was given uh, to speakers, and there was some information exchanged partially to make sure that um, uh, speakers weren't completely stepping on each other's toes, and which is the pragmatic thing. Uh, yeah. And also to kind of to kind of get them into the lane to speak about the part that needs to be spoken about. And Calvin um, has shared that uh, the night before uh, he was set to speak, he did feel convicted to to change his address, uh, so he went back and worked through it some more and developed some more points. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that he had ever shown his address to the conference organizers. I don't think it's at that level, but, but um, the th- as it was relayed by Calvin, the the conference organizers felt that he had significantly deviated from uh, the lane of critical theory that he had been given. Um, I do think that he addressed critical theory uh, pretty extensively. Um, the, the The issue was he didn't really get into critical race theory. He started largely with, with feminism. And uh, that was the focal point, the locus that That things really started with. Um, This is this continues to be a really dicey topic throughout our our province, and um, it it is not going away anytime soon. Um, And people who I really respect have very different viewpoints uh, from one another. Mm -hmm. Um, The one comment that always sticks with me about this was um, Bishop Keith Ackerman several years ago, who's an assistant uh, down in in Texas, used to be uh, Bishop of Quincy. Uh, You know, Quincy was one of the dioceses in the Episcopal Church that did not ordain women uh, to the um, to, to the priesthood. And he was talking about the difference between speaking in the Episcopal Church's House of Bishops, and speaking in the ACNA College of Bishops. And he said, you know, we still have disagreements. But and I'm paraphrasing here. But one of the things, is he said, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm being heard. That's right. What's happening is, yeah. uh, people are not coming to the same conclusions as I am, but they are listening to me, and they can relay my argumentation without caricature. And he said, you know that that was something that he really wanted, and uh, I took that as as an affirmation of ACNA and it's like, okay, we're not all coming to the same conclusions, but there there is at least a good spirit in which we are receiving other people's argumentation. So th- that that's part of what's going on here is people are saying, hey, Calvin himself used the word and said I was canceled from this conference. Well, I don't know if I would use that term. Uh it depends how you define cancellation. The conference wasn't kicking him out. They weren't saying you're dead to me. Uh they were simply they'd given him the microphone and for the next session they declined to extend the microphone to him again that is their prerogative as the conveners of the conference um they are uh to quote ronald reagan uh mr speaker i am paying for this microphone um so they get um (laughs) sorry kids that really dates me uh but um it does that that
0: That was that was before he was president that's when he was running for governor
1: the, wow! Uh, it was it was, it was it, no, no it wasn't that long ago. That was because he was governor in the '60s. Uh, yeah. Reagan was. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was, I was from I thought was, was a New Hampshire thing. Uh, but um, uh, pe-
0: people in the comments correct us for that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we're going to get a whole download there from people. Um, yeah. the, uh So yeah, I mean, they, they, there's a just to try to circle this back. Um, uh, I want to defer to the conference organizers to provide boundaries to make sure the conference is about a specific theme, and not have it spiral off into other directions. But at the same time, the sensitivity of this and the disagreement that we had within the room, what, uh, another participant talked about, um, kind of being able to feel uh, kind of a visceral reaction as some of these things were, were being said from the stage. Um, you know, th- th- this is, th- this is a sore point for us, and it's going to continue to be but I i really hope that as we seek to navigate this in good faith that we will be good listeners to others and we will be able to relay their comments and their relay their argumentation without caricature as um bishop ackerman had 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 shared um so so that is uh I, i will i'll try to keep in my lane and 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 leave it at that but um that 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 is one of the the concerns is, is 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 what is cancellation? Um, is there a responsibility of those who convene the conference to to keep things on the rails? And uh, it, it, and the other thing too is um, um, John Dixon from Wheaton uh, did share over Twitter publicly. Uh, he said, you know, Calvin was not kicked out of the conference. Uh, he was paid uh, the full honoraria that he was um, expected to. Uh, and, and you know, that this is. Probably not the, um, you know, there there were, everything seemed to be fine behind the stage. There are probably things here that I don't have full information on because I wasn't behind the stage. So I will just leave it at that.
0: Well, I, and I invite your Clunism to come on if they want to talk about uh, what happened, or, or even Calvin Robinson. Uh, I would have asked Calvin, but last time I I him, it took two months to get him on the show, and I I know he's <laughs> flying back to England. I didn't I didn't want to to call him. I wanted an eyewitness to give both sides of the story. Jeff, you did a great a great job doing that. What is the follow up now on on social media? What are people saying? What 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 do you what's the turmoil going on?
1: Well, uh, my uh, not only social media blew up, but I got a lot of text messages from people. Um, so they knew I was here and they wanted to know what the story was. So this has gotten around. Um, I can tell you that the, that the tweet I did uh, of Calvin's um, Friday morning presentation uh, noting the, the objections to... Liberalism, the, the the critique with Luther, and the 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 women's ordination grenade being rolled down the aisle. Uh, that that was um, that tweet has spread farther than any tweet I've ever done. Um, I mean, I probably tweet maybe 150, maybe 500 people see it if it's a good tweet. Uh, this was over 50,000. So. Um, and that was just one little tweet so okay well, can, um, can you
0: tweet this episode when you get a chance <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty
1: sure if we put calvin's name in it it'll get more viewership <laughs> uh yeah yeah it's uh it, it is it is but that shows you that there is an intense interest and reaction um i uh uh and, and the other thing too is you know mere Anglicanism always sells out as i said it's mm-hmm. it, it's always been a, a high profile conference even uh, for those who are old enough to remember, it used to be called uh, <sighs> scholarly engagement with Anglican doctrine, which sounds like yeah. Um, yeah. some sort of medicine to help you with insomnia. Uh, but um, that uh, that grew and was well stewarded into this accessible scholarly conference for uh, lay people like me to be able to to hear from. Uh, okay. So um, I think it will, will continue to be successful and will grow but um uh, this is this will be a uh, this will be something that will be remembered for a while.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Looking on script, today, I suppose. All right, well, I want to thank you for your time and you, you did a great job uh, uh, bringing this up to speed on the topic and what happened and uh, I hope that we can uh, uh, help clarify what really happened. I'm Kevin Colson.
1: I'm Jeff Walton.
0: And you've been watching episode 839 of Anglican Unscripted.